Hey guys, it's Pete. Just wanted to let you know that my second book, Frankenstein's Soul's Echo, is now available. It continues the adventure from Frankenstein Alive Beyond, which is a direct sequel to Mary Shelley's classic novel. Both Frankenstein Alive Beyond and Frankenstein's Soul's Echo are available as ebooks on Amazon, iBookstore, Barnes & Noble, Cabot, and of course from EnceladusLiterary.com. Thanks, now on with the show. Welcome to Hindsight is 2020, a show where we look at anything in this world and arrogantly say how we'd fix it. And I can prove it with my usual flawless logic. These two idiots. <laughs> we give our thoughts on movies and TV shows that should or should not have been. From Joss Whedon, God of the Nerds, comes the movie blockbuster that finally unites the world's greatest superheroes that Marvel still has the rights to. With your host, Pete. Is everything a joke to you? Funny thing. And Greg. That's my secret, Captain. I'm always angry. And we slowly and mercilessly beat our subject to death. I think you're confusing peace with quiet. Yeah, huh? What's the vibranium for? I'm glad you asked that because I wanted to take this time to explain my evil plan. More about this what? Ultron. It's Ultronicon. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna name this robot Ultronicon. <laughs> <laughs> I need a name that says Uber without being too German. <laughs> How about Ultron? No one who speaks German could be evil. So with that, we're starting our episode of Age of Ultron. Or Illtron, whatever it might be. <laughs> because it's of the moment, and screw it, we're just going to be hindsight of the moment. Like What? Like back in the Die Hard 5. Well, I guess day. we did, we saw this, so we can hindsight it. That's right. It's technically correct. That's right. Right now is now a hindsight moment for now. So, yeah. <laughs> I look back on my five seconds ago, and I think I could have said that so much better. But I just feel are. more young and innocent five seconds ago, but go on. I know. We're so much older than ten seconds ago, and now five seconds ago I got a hindsight when I'm hindsighting. It doesn't end. But what does end is uh, the Avengers after two and a half hours. Well, with Josh Whedon at the helm anyways. Uh, or uh, jo- uh, Josh, Josh. I know names. I know names. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Out for a walk, bitch. <laughs> haiku. <clears throat> All right. So we saw Ultron over the weekend, like so many of our other friends in the world. And. Eh? And. Eh? This isn't a review show. It's a what could have been done better. Because obviously, if we're doing a show, that means that it wasn't perfect. And I think we can both agree that it wasn't perfect. It was not, to be clear, in case anybody's. You know, raging out right now. It was not bad. No. It was good. (laughs) And if it didn't have the weight of a first Avengers movie, it would be great. But it has the weight of ten movies coming before it to be compared to, and suddenly it has a sliding scale. (laughs) But, you know, and spoilers are going to be abound in this by all means, this is going to come out this week, and some of you have not seen it. 
but we're going to have spoilers out the yin yang and whatever. So turn back now. That's right. So three, two, one. Quicksilver dies. Scarlet Witch is a new <laughs> Avenger. <laughs> Tony, Stark has, Tony Stark has a remote control Audi. Uh, other things happen. We go to the Avengers B team. So, yes, there, there's a lot. Basically, what we mean by uh, that little rant is there's quite a bit going on in this movie. And maybe that's part of the detriment, if there are any detriments to it. <laughs> Uh, um, okay, you can you can check me on this because I'm sure you track the production of this and where it's all going much more closely than I have. To me, this kind of suffered from some of the same problems that Iron Man Two did, possibly. But this had a um, this had a more cohesive story than Iron Man Two. Oh 2. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. let me backtrack because a lot of people shit on Iron Man Two right in its mouth, and I don't. <laughs> I think it's a, no, it's it's a, a lovely a, visual. <laughs> I think it's a fun movie. I don't think it's a piece of garbage. It's, it's just, just disjointed. Very much so. But that, yeah, it has a no, lot of this, fun. Business. This is not nearly as disjointed as Iron Man 2. But but uh, that being said, it does have, a, especially in the middle, a prolonged kind of lag for me, uh, some of which is kind of clear, some of which I think they were trying to do in unnecessary sleight of hand, but... Well, I mean, let's just get into it. So basically what they want is Hawk... They want us to think that Hawkeye's a dead man. And... Yeah, they were very much playing up the, he's got one day until retirement. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he might as well have just been walking around with a target. Like, every time he shows up, he's got a new target painted somewhere on him. Yeah, this really was the, hey, Jeremy Renner, we're really sorry we what we did to you in the first movie. So here, here's a ton of story. Please <laughs> bathe in the swimming, full, swimming pool f- full of backstory for your character. Because you are <laughs> going to dominate the middle of this movie with for your character. For some reason. <laughs> well, I mean, I get it. He's the human center of the story. You want that human... Well, fine. Ground, make him, human make him Agent Coulson Part 2 and build up the team around the guy. Well, I, I think it was more or less his, his send-off. I mean, he said he's going to be in uh, Civil War, mm-hmm. but... And that's partially... That that was also one of the... the I tried to say as spoiler-free on this as possible. All I watched was the trailers, but one thing that I did catch is that during one of the interviews, many millions of interviews with these guys, Jeremy Renner let it slip that he was going to start production on Captain America 3 Civil War here soon, which is now shooting, which basically says, unless it's some elaborate flashback, oh, he's going to be fine. (laughs) So I really was not worried that he was actually going to get shot. And so when Quicksilver got it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the only way to go there. So um, so I guess the initial hindsight is is that it's an okay movie, but it doesn't live up to the first. But how could yeah. it? <laughs> well, yeah, you got, you got a pretty tall order to fill with that. I guess traditionally you've got two directions you can go with it. You can either try to do a complete redux of what worked so well before. Or you can try to take it in a new direction. Uh, where do you think this one lands on that spectrum? I think 
that it was Joss Whedon trying to tell the continuation of the story. And again, that's why the Marvel guys are succeeding so much because they're bringing in all these TV people. And that's exactly what they've got. They've got this elongated serialized story, which is essentially in movie form, a long television season. And what better way to do that than to get some showrunners from people from TV who know how to handle a whole bunch of characters in a continuing story, not just a bottle, here's two hours, beginning, middle, end. They can tell the beginning, middle, and end, but there's lots of threads that come in from before and lots of threads that lead to after. And I think he did an admirable job, but I think that he was hamstrung a little bit uh, by maybe people afraid of a really, really long runtime, uh, like maybe higher-ups that were very concerned that, hey, we can't have this go for three and a half hours. We want to get as many showings in per day as we can. And I think there's going to be a long cut, hopefully done on a Blu-ray or something like that, where a lot of things are going to be thrown back in that suddenly you're going to have the time to watch this, and maybe you watch it with an intermission self-imposed or something, so it's not forever. But I think like a three and a half hour cut of this movie probably catapults it from like a seventy-five on Rotten Tomatoes to like a ninety. So they're going to do a Lord of the Rings extended cut, you think? Possibly, and again, that's more to your world. I know the basic idea behind that, but I, yeah, I think that's that's the way to go because there's so many little pockets of this movie where you watch and you think. Well, that's maybe set up for later, but there's also probably more they could have done here with it instead of jumping into the next scene. And I guess that just comes with the balance of such a large ensemble and different stories to tell that you lose out some of that. You lose out on really caring about Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, knowing they've had a horrible backstory, but really it's just... We've had a horrible backstory. Now here we are. Now on to this action set piece. Whereas I'm sure there had to have been something a little bit more that that would dive into that to make us really give a shit when Quicksilver dies and Scarlet Witch feels it. Because it just was like, oh, he's dead. She knows it. Oh, she's pissed. <laughs> now she's pissed. And we're moving on to the next thing. Yeah, uh, that would actually be one of my uh, button issues as usual is just... This one didn't seem to have nearly as... I mean, there was some in there. I, I'm not saying it was devoid of it, but um, it did not feel nearly as organic with the character development. Yeah. And here, one minor nitpick, since we're hindsighting here, I will go back in, and maybe this will be on the long cut, but I would go back in, and here's a minor change I told you about yesterday. <laughs> At the very end, when the helicarrier magically appears to deus ex machina people off this floating rock, and war machine Don Cheadle shows up to save the day, why wouldn't Falcon show up too? He can fly and help carry people off the rock. Just all, all of that would have set up the end of the movie better, yes. Yeah, so when you have the end of the movie and here's our new Avengers to assemble, it's War Machine, it's Vision, it's Scarlet Witch... And it's Falcon. Remember him from the beginning of the movie when he said he wasn't an Avenger? Well, here he is now. Well, you could have set that up by having him fly in with War Machine just to say, you two, we need you to help get these robots or get these people off the island or the rock. Great. All right. We can move back into the story. What a Vision just felt totally shoehorned into this thing. 
Yeah, I heard a lot of people who know the comics much more than we do say that Vision is one of the better characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I've heard, I've heard it go both ways. I've heard some people say his impact in the movie is great. We can't wait to see more. And then some people say that where they're like, well, he just kind of showed up at the end as a tool to win the game and maybe more will happen, which will make whatever happened here more meaningful or a longer cut will make it more meaningful. But yeah, he just kind of shows up at the end and here he is. Go. I'll give a couple of speeches and then I'll show up at the end. Yes. I, I never had a real good sense of what, why, who. <laughs> I think here, here's a hindsight. What could have happened? I think that the idea to broaden the scope of the story physically mm-hmm. to so many different locations was the hamstring. And I think that's partially why the first movie worked so well. You had the, this person's here, this person's here, this person's here. Let's bring them all together. And I'm going to pause so I can answer. Three, two, one. Contact. <laughs> <laughs> And so the scope of the movie went to all these different locations, and the first movie went to uh, several locations at the beginning just to bring everybody together. But realistically, the first Avengers movie took place on the helicarrier and in New York. And it was all about the interpersonal relationships and what went on there between these guys. I think broadening the scope of a movie doesn't necessarily mean you have to physically go all over the place i think you can get the worldwide thing covered in the individual movies where captain america's over here and iron man's over here and black panther will be over here i think you could have solved that by isolating this to a more specific location and then just dealing with instead of you know what we're going to do what we're going to create Ultron. Okay. What did we just do in the last hour? We created Ultron. Sweet! It, it was very quick. Well, and at least be more consistent with it with the production values. There were a couple of things in there that were just head-scratching. All right, so we're in Eastern Europe and Estonia or wherever we were, and now all of a sudden we're going to be talking like this. What's all this then? Uh, you just have people in, like, British accents and the police all, it's like all the other signs were written in some kind of like Eastern European or Russian dialect and then we'd have police <laughs> labeled on all of their <laughs> uniforms it's like, uh, just say stay consistent if we're in a different place, great just commit to it Well, it don't, was in, don't go to the used closet of uniforms over here, pull some out, put them on these guys and go, hey, it works well they were in the, uh mystical marvel place called sokovia which is not real uh, again just be consistent with sokovia that's yeah. fine <laughs> yeah I, I just think that if they would have isolated themselves to one location the story would have been served so much better or like just two main locations where you have the team split up and really do an empire strikes back thing where you've got this group over here and this group over here. And at the end, they come back together to fight the big bad in, in one location. And in, instead, it was just, now we're over here. Now we're over here, El Guapo. And it was just, yeah, there was a lot of that. 
And it can be done, but I just don't think this handled it as deftly as it could have. Uh, especially with Ultron being this guy who is the like AI to end all AI that can surf the internet and hook up computer anywhere. I think his threat should have been more immediate to the team after the party scene. All of a sudden he just disappears. Yeah, it took his dear sweet time to do much of anything. I, I mean, I can spread across the entire internet. Well, couldn't one part of you be causing complete chaos that they have to go deal with here, there and everywhere so that you've got time to assemble whatever it is that you're up to. Yeah, I think it, it would have worked better if it would have just been he escaped the party, the team then has to track him down, and they track him down to Sokovia, to the Hydra plant that they were at at the beginning, and just go right back there, and Ultron can have all his minions immediately up, all these robots that were already there, immediately uploaded with him, and operate kind of what the team does at the end. Ultron's minions could have operated as a shield and deterrent while he was building his big super rock repulsor thing. Uh, Because it shouldn't, it should be that if Ultron is the ultimate AI computer, then he shouldn't need a couple of days to work out his plan. He should be fully formed with his, I got to get rid of humans. How to get rid of humans. I use this thing over here to build a meteor. Okay, go. So he should already be doing it and then the team can go attack the base take their hits take their losses whatever it is and make it much more concise story than let's go over here now let's go over here let's go over here just really make it kind of like the empire strikes back model of let's just follow these three little tangents all throughout the story and everybody can get their service time in and be served well and then come together at the end to fight it off all right lest anyone you know be concerned otherwise i am not a physicist oh okay okay but that well let me check that off the list of okay. things i didn't all right <laughs> but couldn't if it's just a matter of getting enough mass high enough to throw up a big dust cloud o- over the earth and everything to kill off people or Uh, whatever couldn't they have just taken since he had legions of robots could they just have taken you know well here's hoover dam here's this half a mountain here's this and just dropped it at different points too you're talking about him making the meteor out of the city yeah yeah i i think that that works um in the comic book logic if you're using if you're using comic book logic, uh, I think that works because he's trying to have the biggest mass because he said it there in the movie that meteors are clean and that's what took out the dinosaurs. So he's essentially trying to do a I'm going to cause a extinction level event so that human beings can come out of this extinction level event evolved. Sure. So I think that that worked fine as he just had the one spot where he was building the repulsors to send it up so that he could smash it down like a meteor, and that would do his plan. I think he only needed just the one as big as he could. So I'm sure he probably just said, well, how big was the one to kill the dinosaurs? That's how big mine needs to be. Oh, the meteor that we've never definitively found. Well... (laughs) 
Movie logic. I am Movie not logic. a physicist. <laughs> <laughs> you had me fooled. Sorry. Oh, well. Uh, for a computer, I'm just saying. It's like, well, come on. Uh, what? Okay, what do you think of Ultron as a villain? We had Loki in the last one, and audiences definitely seem to connect with that character. Uh, what do we think about Ultron as a villain or even just as a character in this? I think where there was not enough time, just like everything else, there just wasn't enough time to absorb him or anything. Hindsight, he really should have been something that Banner and Stark had already been working on and that it just finally comes to life when they bring the staff in. Because they really made it seem like, hey, Banner, you know that idea we had long ago? Well, now we got the staff. Let's start up again from scratch. It should have been, well, we've been working on this plan to to help create a shield because we're the Avengers and that we're the smart guys, so we're the science guys. We've been working on it forever. Now all of a sudden the staff comes in and, oh, it's the missing piece. Or the computer becomes sentient because it pulls in the, the mind gem where it pulled the power and... It, Ultron creates itself during the party instead of... Yeah, I like either of those better than kind of the way that it played out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they, they just stretching, created him in montage, basically. That was stretching credibility. Now, again, granted, we just we saw several movies back, Tony Stark build the original Iron Man suit under less than ideal conditions in a relatively short amount of time, but... Yeah, but it, it really, it should have been something... I mean that seems too logical for me that why they didn't do it I don't know. Is he they they should have been working on it trying to solve it try I mean they they should have opened up when they're in the lab uh at the beginning it should have been like a sequence with Jarvis where Jarvis how is that new AI program coming and oh you're trying to find a competition for me sir or something like that. And they could just do an explanation of like, no, Jarvis, Dr. Banner and I are working on this thing that's going to compliment you. And but we just well, I still haven't figured it out yet, sir. Well, you're smart, Jarvis. You can figure it out. Smart, quippy, quip, Robert Downey Jr. Leave the room and and then just go from there so that when the party happens and they have the staff there and they're like, well, we need to look at this, but we need to get to the party first. And then it can just be one of those ominous things where the party's going on in the background and you see the dark room with the staff in it starts to glow and it's too close to whatever the mainframe is that has their AI and then it all combines with Jarvis and the AI to suddenly become Ultron. And I would have been fine with it. And so it just it kind of forms literally in the background and and then when they come out and say, what is this? They can say, you know, Banner, Stark, and say, well, we've been, we, we told you guys we've been trying to work on an AI that will help protect. And then it's like, yeah, but you let it get out of hand. And it, it wasn't I, me. I I almost wish uh, that it hadn't even come out in its little hulking robot form there at the party or whatever. Just it gets loose it goes into the internet and all of a sudden you've got all these unexplained problems and it's not until they start kind of piecing together what is probably behind it and everything that 
the two of them have to kind of come clean or have to figure out how, you know, well, what, what changed, what happened to actually create this or something like that and have a little bit of a mystery for the team to solve or something. We were getting, we were getting into so much, I, I just dubbed it man of steel territory, but there were just so many of these bang, punch, fight, destroy things over and over and over to the point where I was starting to become numb to it after a while. Well, that's comic books. I mean, that is. And they did it better than Man of Steel in this one. Uh, agreed. It agreed. wasn't just endless, same people, endless, same people, endless, same people, endless, same people. It was different people fighting here, different people fighting here. That's comic books. These guys sure. are going to fight. These guys are going to fight. But going back to that idea of how Ultron creates himself, I mean, I would just imagine you have that party scene, and then the part. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the part when the when the party's over, or you know they're all trying to pick up Thor's hammer or whatever, and they're all joking. Instead of James Spader showing up there with, yeah, the, that Ultron bot, and having a big fighty fight, they could just have a moment where the jokes die out when Stark calls for Jarvis for something. I mean, just, it could be very innocuous, like, Jarvis, can you get me whatever so I can help pick up this hammer? And there's no answer. And he's just like, Jarvis? Because they made that mention at the beginning of the movie of how, well, Jarvis is running more of the company now than Pepper Potts is. Mm -hmm. So there could be a, you know, it's, well... Jarvis isn't answering and what's the matter Stark did you lose your 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 buddy and when Stark is just like Jarvis isn't answering and he and Banner go to the lab and then they see something's amiss like the staff is knocked down or something like that and then they're like what's going on here and then they do a little bit of digging and research and find out that maybe Jarvis got hacked and now the whatever the those sentient robots are turning on him. So without James Spader there, just all of a sudden those Iron Man drone robots start turning on everyone, and that's when they have to beat them down. Like, what is going on? And that, and then they can figure it out from there. <laughs> I was thinking when you were talking, so if Jarvis went down for any kind of extended period of time, does that mean that Tony Stark was basically broke by the end of this movie? What do you mean? Well, if he was running everything there for oh. Stark Industries, it's like, ah, crap. <laughs> I saved the world, but I'm broke because my company basically took two weeks off. Well, I did have a question. I, I, you know, that's a minor quibble. Oh, yeah. But I, I was, well, no, no. I Going off of that, I, I had that question. Where, since he stopped selling arms and making weapons in the first movie, what exactly does Stark Industries do? do for money now you mentioned some charity thing that maybe they're just purely philanthropic i i don't but know. how is he still well so wealthy <laughs> that's what i want to know i was stark industries so that he can basically still pay for the avengers and everything else and all their tech oh the answers are probably in the comics somewhere i guess i mean i have the same problem with the tv show arrow where I look at it from a practical standpoint where they're not thinking of that way when they're making a show about a comic book character. And I look at it as, you know, spoilers for Arrow, but like midway through season two, Oliver Queen loses control of his company. It's taken over and he doesn't have any more. 
And yet, we're in midway season three, and he's still wearing nice clothes. They still got places to go. They still got cars. They still have homes. They eat food. With, with what? <laughs> Where, well, how is he getting paid? I don't I had a rainy day fund. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, sure. I just, I just wonder about that. I'm like, oh, you took my whole family's company and all my possessions in my home, and I have to turn it in. And it, but, but I still got a car, and I still make weapons, and I can still do this stuff, and I have shelter, and I pay the electric bill. Bruce wow. Wayne, you had one bad day on the stock market, which <laughs> you were clearly robbed in. We're uh, turning your electric off. Oh, God, we're not going back to Sorry. that. No, we're not going back to that. Uh, you want to hang out in Italy with a, at a cafe and wait for my butler? Fuck this. <laughs> um, yeah, I just I love sitting here just going through it because suddenly I come up with ideas that seem so much better and cleaner for Age of Ultron than what they did. And and I'm not I, like we said, I'm not saying that Age of Ultron was crap. I thought it was no, really it's fun. Not, and it's good. not a bad movie, but I there are gaps. And I I know one of the things that I kind of was complaining about off and on through it. And again, it was just kind of inconsistent. It wasn't necessarily something that jarred me out of the movie entirely or anything like that. But I didn't think some of the action stuff was nearly as clean as it was and again, compare contrast, but in the uh, some of the other movies, uh, just there were uh, the party scene, for instance, where the cuts, for some reason, were just so rapid. And I get, okay, yeah, a lot of power. You're kind of dealing with super beings. You want to sell us on Ultron being a physical threat, yada, yada, yada. But you couldn't keep track of who was flying where. Lots of shaky cam. Yeah. That was not done well. I agree, and it didn't help that we were sitting close to the front no, that the packed also, theater. Yeah, that also may have impacted some of it. Yes. Yeah, I, I maybe need to see it because I've had that happen on a couple of movies here recently, where I've gone in a packed theater where there's only seats left in the very front, and it's like, oh my god, that was right in my face and headache-inducing. And then I see it again on a TV, or if I see it again in the theater and I'm in the back row. It makes a big difference when you're able to confine that scope to your full vision instead of, I got to turn my head to the right to see the edge of the screen. But Well, I know he doesn't want to come back and do another one of these, but is Josh Whedon the only person who can handle uh, Thor in film version? Um, Potentially. I don't see a huge problem with Thor the Dark World so many people said it was so bad and I would say especially in comparison with the first one I I will go out on a limb here because I've heard lots of people do their in this last you know build up the Age of Ultron talking about all the Marvel movies so far and it never really gets mentioned on the list as far as the bottom and I guess we can do our list here when we're wrapping up but yeah, for me personally, spoiler alert, Thor, the original movie, is at the bottom of the list when it comes to all the Marvel movies so far. All the Marvel Studios movies, I should say, since Iron Man. For me personally, the original Thor just is... <laughs> it's just... It's got... Deep, but then again, Marvel Studios has had such a excellent track record that the poop of Thor is still... I would still probably give it like a a 70 on Rotten Tomatoes, whereas it's being like the lowest. We'll go back to those Captain America TV movies. Oh, God, no. We're not doing all Marvel. We're doing Marvel Studios. 
Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I, Thor The Dark World was okay. It wasn't great, but it was it was fun. It I just, had its moments. Yeah, I think Joss Whedon gets that you need to have fun, be f- funny with this guy, who, this consistent fish-out-of-water god can't have angst or anything to an ultra level like everybody else he's yeah he just seems to get the balance right when he's portraying the or when he's yeah directing the character except to direct him into a magical thor hot spa yeah that was and why is stellan skarsgård <laughs> back <laughs> stellan skarsgård you sir have a contract you need to be here it's like well if thor's gonna appear in this movie uh gotta bring stars guard back i'm sorry it's Apparently like, so. it's a package deal at all <laughs> just, times i don't understand what scars guard has some pictures of joss with farm animals or something <laughs> i don't understand what's going on but yeah that i gotta go into the hot tub to find the vision now i understand the vision he had to go further they gave him more images of vision I mean, he 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 saw more of the Infinity Stones, so that he now knew he knows what's going on there with Thanos and the Infinity Stones. Um, but yeah, that methodology of, hey, Eric Selvig, yes, can you help me? Sure, with what? I need to see. Need All right. To well, here's a magic drive, hot tub. Drive me to the magic hot tub. <laughs> can I do anything else for you? Yell my name on occasion. Okay. <laughs> So, I, I mean, it was it was a job to get Hemsworth's shirt off and make the ladies happy. And but, yeah, it was to show the Infinity Stones. And also uh, the next Thor movie, Ragnarok, is about the end of days on Asgard. And I'm sure there were some things in there that were hints towards that. Um, so I'm sure that'll pay off in the future. But, yeah, that was just so awkward. I think... I understand it after we talked about it after the movie and we were making fun of it. And as I thought about it a little bit further, I think I sort of understand why they went there. Keep going. And and maybe there's a a dropped line that if I see the movie again, it'll come a little bit more into focus. But it has to do with Thor the Dark World. Because I think when they're walking in, when he and Selvig are walking into that little cave. Mm Mm-hmm. I think Selvig dropped some sort of line about what they were dealing with during the Convergence, you know, the big event that happened in Thor The Dark World, when all the worlds aligned and all of a sudden this thing opened or whatever. Mm. I think there was some sort of drop line there where there's probably an extra 30 seconds of the scene that was cut that really shouldn't have been where Selvig says, and during the Convergence, we realized this was a hot spot left over that has these magical properties, yada, yada, yada. Well, that would have helped. So I think that's what they were going for. I'm really reaching because, yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense. But I think that's what they were going for is to tie in the events of Thor the Dark World, Selvig now knows that this is a spot that has these magical powers, and so he knows to take Thor there. Well, they could have had Jane. Uh Oh, Oh, well... (laughs) Natalie Portman has in her contract to only show up, act badly in Thor movies, and never to appear again except in still images. <laughs> he could have been talking to a cardboard cutout of her at home. <laughs> he just goes home and there's a cardboard cutout. <laughs> just, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to do Thor anymore because it's just yeah painful. 
But yeah, but yeah I, 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 I've said my piece. I think it was a good movie, but there are the things that it just could have been tightened up into less locations. Kept essentially the same story would be fine, but less locations and bring Falcon in during the ending fight so that he his appearance at the very end makes more sense. Well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit more about setup. So you mentioned, okay, well, they're setting up the third Thor. What else did we see them? We talked about them having to do a lot of juggling. What else potentially did we see them setting up? Well, the two main things that I know of they set up were Captain and Iron and, and Iron Man were starting to fight, which is the main battle in Captain America 3 Civil War, because it's them fighting on either side of and it's going to be the fallout from i think the hulkbuster hulk fight in -hmm. the streets is you know the entire building's coming down the place is getting destroyed hulk realizes he can injure people well world governments are going to realize hey you avengers are starting to get out of hand and when you guys get out of hand entire city blocks just get destroyed so the whole point of civil war is that the governments decide we need to have a superhero registration act and we need to kind of legislate you guys uh, to keep you under wraps so that you don't go destroying the entire world because otherwise who's going to watch over us? So Iron Man in the comics is on the side of the government. Yeah, we need to come out, be clean, and make sure that they know you know they're regulating us and we can not destroy them. We're here to help. Whereas Captain America's on the side of, no, we're we're all about freedom and, and, and personal choice. And I don't want to be ruled by by other people. We are who we are, and that's the basis of civil war. So you've got the little battles going on between Cap and Iron Man where, I mean, all of a sudden at the very end they're friends again. So I don't know how they're going to flip that switch again And for Captain America 3. It seems like an odd way to kind of end it, quite honestly. Yeah, hey, we're buddies again. Well, that doesn't, for what I know, for the what's coming next year, I don't know how you're going to flip that switch again, but I guess they teased it. And the other thing was going to see Andy Circus in some factory in South Africa was because he is the main bad guy for the character Black Panther, who we're going to see probably in Civil War briefly, and then he'll have his own movie in a couple of years. So we got that teased as well. And with Hulk disappearing at the end, I mean, there's always the story about Planet Hulk, where he goes to this planet that's just essentially like this gladiatorial planet that he got stranded on when the Avengers in the comics thought he was too dangerous. They shipped him off Earth and sent him to a gladiator planet and said, just fight it out there and leave us alone or something. I don't know if he's actually going to go to space, but if he does, they got Guardians of the Galaxy 2 where he could show up again. Now, not, there's no discussion about them doing another whole movie separately, correct? Well, they really can't because Universal owns the rights to a solo Hulk movie still, or at least like okay. distribution. And so Disney is not going to give Universal any money. Plus, I think... They got so many other characters, and they're really only looking at, what, three movies a year? Mm-hmm. You have so many other characters, plus more Avengers movies, that I don't think you even have to think about another Hulk movie for years, because they just could just 
he's a good side character. They've already tried him on his own twice, plus the TV show. I, you don't need to. I don't think they really feel like they need to. I think that they could even work in the famous Planet Hulk story line, like I said, in Guardians of the Galaxy. That's in outer space. So you could see the Guardians end up on the Gladiator planet, and suddenly there's Incredible Hulk fighting. And that's how they get to Earth when they fight the Infinity Wars in Avengers 3. So are we thinking the whole Quicksilver death was a studio concession thing, or...? Um, I think it was Joss Whedon because he's got to kill somebody <laughs> for, for drama. <laughs> a character has to die. Why not kill the guy who already was really successful in the Fox X-Men side? So eh, let's just get rid of him here. He's <laughs> working all right over there. He'll be back. <laughs> no, I don't think I'd read too much into it other than it helps to galvanize Scarlet Witch's story, you know, that give her more background and depth going forward. Okay. And then next Avengers movies, or if she shows up in Civil War, if she's already messed up and now she's a hero, well, that gives her just some more depth because in fighting, her brother got killed and her one and only person that she's ever known growing up with got killed. So what does that do to her? I think that's Joss Whedon's way of just keep layering on the drama and the depth. Uh, not that we needed any more elements in here, but uh, any thoughts about Hydra or S.H.I.E.L.D. or anything there? Well, the TV show operates in the movie universe, but the movie universe could care less about the TV show. So I think that the TV show, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., is going to show fallout from their side and what that does to the actual organization of S.H.I.E.L.D., Um and if Hi- they're still fighting Hydra, I think you're going to see more of that in Captain America 3, where okay. if, if Samuel L. Jackson comes back again with the old helicarrier that magically appeared. Um, <laughs> I've got a helicarrier, why not? <laughs> so if Samuel L. Jackson will probably appear in Captain America 3 and they'll deal with some sort of reorganization of S.H.I.E.L.D., maybe they'll mention that Coulson's still alive. I don't know, but, I mean, the TV show's probably going to deal with lots of things, but... Honestly, they're getting to the point now where S.H.I.E.L.D. might be used as a a pawn between the two sides in Civil War. But, I mean, who knows? And I'm sure Hydra's still out there, so it'll just be this permanent Spectre Bond-like threat that's always going to be there from movie to movie. Of course. When they need it, they'll bring it in. Sure. But, yeah. So, uh, what are your final additions to Ultron? Um, again, uh, good, good movie. Uh, definitely lots of things to kind of take away from it or enjoy. Um, just a little, little uneven. Fair enough. And in a mo- in 11 movies now, how many have you not seen Marvel boy? I have not seen the first Thor that you mentioned, and uh, surprisingly, I have still not seen the original uh, Captain America. But you've seen everything else. I've seen everything else. Right on. Well, so you have seen my least favorite and then a middling one. (laughs) You haven't seen a (laughs) middling one. Uh, Yeah, Thor is at the bottom of my list. Uh, There's a whole bunch in the middle, and then... 
Winter Soldiers at the top of my list is my favorite. I think that's just the best all around. That's the best movie they've done. It's my favorite movie they've done. Yeah, it's everything's kind of working on that one. And then the first Avengers is the most fun, most rewatchable. The first Iron Man is pretty damn fun. Uh, and then from there, it's just kind of everything in the middle for me. I mean, I like Iron Man 3. People shit in its mouth, too. I don't know why, but I, I like Iron Man 3. I thought Guardians of the Galaxy was good, but I wasn't in love with it like a bunch of people were. So, uh, and yeah, and then it's just a whole bunch of Iron Man 2. Yeah. Incredible Hulk. I, I thought it was okay, especially coming off the Ang Lee one. Jeez. It was definitely yeah, a step that was up. definitely an upgrade. So I give it points for that alone. Uh, like I said, Thor The Dark World was okay. Um, I think that about covers it. I already, <laughs> I'm losing track already. But, yeah, so I, I would put this Age of Ultron, I'd put it maybe fourth or fifth for me on the list as far as a good. I, it's going to take another rewatching or two to really let it sink in. I mean, there was uh, uh, the first Avengers was rewatching because it was like, oh, damn, that was fun. This is rewatching like homework. Like there's some things I probably <laughs> missed here that thinking about it I would probably need to see again to really understand. Yeah, I think I'm clocking this one in about number 5 for me personally. Well, there you go. Well, how about you dear listeners? Hopefully it clocks in for you as good and if our ideas were put in, it would be the best Marvel movie that they never made. <laughs> There's still time. They've got a few more in production, I've heard. There's always going to be Marvel movies until they tank. <laughs> Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Episodes can be downloaded on iTunes or at EnceladusLiterary.com. Really? That's it. You just roll over, show your belly every time somebody snarls. Only when I've created a murder bot. We didn't. Opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect those of Enceladus Literary. Loki is beyond reason, but he is of Asgard, and he is my brother. He killed 80 people in two days. He's adopted. Okay, but... Ah!